many, many men. So today we're going to talk, uh, do part two, a little extension of We Are Not Wounded Warriors that we talked about last month, the fact that <clears throat> we don't, uh, we're not people who uh, have to be taken off the battlefield. We don't get wounded. We don't, uh, we are an invincible people uh, because we are a self-healing body. We are a body that is able to heal itself through the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we keep going in the things of God. If, if the church could have been killed, it would have been killed a long time ago. Uh, could have been killed when Jesus was born. There's all kinds of opportunities for the church to cease, but we keep going because we are not wounded. We are healed, and we are on our way to wholeness if we'll keep uh, being obedient to God and trust in our faith and trust in what God is doing uh, with us and through us. We talked about <clears throat> the slings that the arrow, uh, the slings that the enemy uh, can use to ensnare and entrap us, and uh, that the the uh, drawings of Egypt are always around us to distract us from our main mission, and that is the preaching of the gospel to every creature until the Lord comes. So that is our mission here in this earth, and it's such a blessing to know that we have that mission and that ministry in the earth so that we can go forth. We said that we're in a war of words. We have to answer back the powers of darkness when they assault us and when they assail us with their lies. We said that sometimes the uh, haters who are assigned to our lives play into this warfare because it's easy for the haters to get us to think that there's no help for us, get us to think that we're hopeless, defeated, helpless, nothing will ever change, uh, when is God going to come through for us, all of this kind of stuff happens uh, in this war of words. But if we're obedient to God, we cast down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are to take captive words and thoughts. We're to arrest them and render them ineffective against us because God has empowered the church to do just that. And so my question today, and in, in, in this is one that we need to ask ourselves every day, is what have you told the devil lately? What have you told the devil lately? <clears throat> what have you told him lately? We have to understand that uh, we have a mission here as far as our words are concerned. We have the wisdom of God. We have the authority of God. And we are to make known the wisdom of God to all principalities and all powers. And once we get ourselves positioned so that we know that's our job, you know, to do something like is your job. And I think we need to pick that up as an attitude when it comes to fighting this warfare. We will know that we are empowered. You know, what you must do is you must get up and do it. You can't just talk about it or, or you know, say within yourself that, you know, the devil's a liar and all this kind of rhetoric nonsense that people do. But you have to really declare these things and know that your words are empowered, that your words will come to pass, that your words, if you believe them, you can have what you say 
and nothing more, nothing less. You have what you say. And so when we think about this, this is a, a simple warfare, but we have to stay on our watch at all times. We talked about that, that we will have to be accountable to God for this life. Uh, this Christian life, it's not a, a life of of uh, depression and, and dullness and, and boring and, you know, that kind of thing. But it is a life that we have to take seriously enough to know that we have to account for our time spent here. We have to account for, uh, you know, there's certain things God's put under our care and under our charge that he will want an answer for when at the time of reckoning. And so <clears throat> I thought I would take us to our, our scripture uh, over our prayer manual, and that's in Ephesians 3, and starting in, um, let me see, where do I want to start? I guess I'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read, I had the King James, but I'm going to read the NIV because I thought I, I think I was studying from it, and I'm wondering if this is so. I'll, you bear with me a little bit. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, Paul knew who he was. He knew why he was, who he was, and he knew his purpose. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Something unheard of. Remember the Samaritans were considered dogs by the Israelites. There was this division. For centuries it was just Israel belonged to God and everybody else was a Gentile and an outsider. Kind of the way the Muslim or the Muslim sees things now. They are a chosen people. Everybody is an infidel. But the only thing is Israel had the real true and living God governing them. So God gave them rules that would cause um, a desire in the hearts of people on the outside to come inside. There are always converts to Judaism, always. The, the, if you were a slave of an Israelite, you, would, you could come under the power of the circumcision. If you lived in that household, you could become heirs through being a convert. And so they were always able to have converts, but these people were set apart by God for his use. <clears throat> and so this is a new doctrine, one that Peter stumbled over. Remember, Peter didn't want to eat or touch anything unclean. He didn't want to go into that man's house and minister to him, so forth and so on. You know, we have a little bit of Phariseeism now among believers. You know, uh, Jesus went wherever God led him, and he was a friend to everybody. But he didn't do everything everybody did. You see, he went to people to offer them salvation and an entry into the kingdom. But he didn't consider himself above anybody in a, a kind of a natural uh, rejecting sense. And so here Israel is heirs together with the uh, Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So he says this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. 
says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me. And that is to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So God reveals to whom he wants when he wants. I think there are some things in the earth it's not time for, and there are some things it's past time for. You know, there are some things that we need to be doing and keep doing that we've ceased doing. And then there are some things we want to see happen. It is not time for them yet. But God will reveal all things in their season. And this is his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So here Paul's talking about a change. There's, there's, there used to be this priesthood that only certain men were called to. You had to be born into it. You just get, couldn't come into the priesthood. And now all of this has changed. There's these boundless riches in Christ that all men have access to. And this was a revolutionary idea. The gospel is a revolutionary idea. The idea that everybody could go from being the, the, the least of the saints, as Paul calls himself, the, the chiefest of sinners and the least of the saints, and then come into this boundless riches in God, just uh, have access, free access to God's throne, to go in and out and do business with God, to worship God to get assignment from God, to go forth and carry out the eternal plan of God throughout and with freedom and confidence. He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, he's saying that the, this mystery that he's been uh, given, he has freedom to tell everybody. We have that. The gospel is not bound. You can open your mouth and speak to anybody anytime and tell them about Jesus Christ, about the boundless riches of God through Christ Jesus. And he's asking God to strengthen the church with power through his spirit in your inner man. So this talks not so much about material possession and accumulation of things. But this strength comes through the inner man who is able to um, speak to principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God, and therefore bypassing this world system is able to reach into a kingdom of boundless love, boundless provision, boundless Anything that you might need, there's, there's no limits on whatever it is that God wants us to speak, say, believe for, 
what's uh, he wants us to cause to uh, manifest through our words and, and through his power the things that he has set forth for this earth to freely receive. Amen. There are some things this earth is supposed to freely receive. We're not supposed to be waiting in line for healing. We're not supposed to be waiting in line for salvation and deliverance from the power of darkness. These things we are to freely receive. There's no season for getting healed and getting delivered. It can happen at any time. And so when we understand this boundless uh, gift that God has given us through the preaching of the gospel, then we'll understand the riches that we have in us. And so Paul says, I want you to be strengthened in that. I don't want you to get weaker in it. I don't want you to, to feel like you, you, you can't say something to somebody or you can't, I won't use you for certain things or I won't uh, have you do certain things. You know, you, you get to a, a dull place in your life and you think, well, God, why aren't you using me? And all this kind of, he said, I don't want you to be like that, but I want you to be strengthened with might in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. Just stay strong in what I'm telling you. Whether God opens a door today, tomorrow or never, stay strong in your spirit man stay encouraged in that area be strengthened with might and all power in your inner man and he says so that christ will dwell in your hearts through faith so he wants us to be strong on the inner man so that the spirit of christ will manifest at all times through us. We will be quick to speak the word of God. We will be quick to reach out in love to people. We'll be quick to go and feed somebody. We'll be quick to go and minister to somebody. We'll be quick to do these things. Got what I mean when I say quick? Is that you feel the unction, you sense the unction of the spirit and you say, God, here I am, send me. I'm willing to go, I'm willing to do, I'm willing to speak, I'm willing to whatever you want. I'm willing, God, I'm the one that you want. And when you're strong in your inner man, you don't have all of this wounded warrior mentality. Oh, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't God use me? And why can't I get this? People who are strong in the inner man know that there's work to do. They know God will use them. They know when they're available. They know what to say when they get. They know all of these things. There's a knowing there that's, that's undeniable. And it has to be manifested on a regular basis. It can't be like a, 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 a little trophy you take out here and there, you know, and use it sometimes. You have to be available to God at all times. People of strength are like that. And Paul prayed this for them. And he says, I pray that you being rooted and established or grounded in love. In other words, you are not wondering why certain things haven't happened for you yet. Love doesn't do that. See, love doesn't exalt its own. It's not concerned about itself all the time. Love is more concerned about the plan of God. How do I fit into this great plan of God? It's not about the big me. It's about the little me and the great big God. How do I fit in? What's my part? Amen. And he says he may that you being rooted and established in love. If we could just see that how much he loves us. How much he loves us. 
how much he cares about us. The last good thing God did for you. How did you feel about it? What did you what did you think about it? How did you you know the small things, the big things, the everythings that he does? How do you feel about those things? If you're rooted and grounded in love, you know what it comes out of and you appreciate it and you understand. You know, it can be something small. I was sitting and, and I used to, uh, um, when my husband was alive, we'd keep up with each other's glasses. And I had the worst vision. And, and you know, if I lost mine, it was just a tragedy. You know, I was, but I, you know, I felt more more desperate about it than it was really there, really warranted. And so, like, now I'll, I'll be, be at home by myself. And I said, oh, Lord, I lost my glass. What did I do with them glasses? And then I'll stop and i say, Jesus, please show me where my glasses is. And then my eyes will just fall on them. Not just once, but every single time that I need to get those glasses, the Spirit of God finds them for me. You understand? That's love. See, that's the, that's the depth of, you know, that's a little part of it where you, you know you're cared for in a great way. Even the small things are cared for. God took me out of fear of lack. You know, I grew up in fear of lack, you know, and I didn't like it. I didn't, I hated being poor. And, uh, you know, I despise poverty and, and I just didn't ever want any part of it. And so I did what I knew to do to, to protect yourself from it. You know, you get a decent education and you, you get a good job and all this kind. Of, but then my, my emotional health failed. And so I couldn't rely on me anymore. And so from that crippling of my own abilities, God taught me how to trust him. And at first it was little baby steps, you know, now let me show you this. Now, remember you were worried about this, 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 and let me see, let me show you what I did for you over here. And so he's kind of spoon fed me at first. And then I would find myself thrown into situations where faith got forced out of me. You know, like you got punched in the gut and you had to say the word and you had to say, let's go for it. You had to do these things. All of these things are teaching and training to teach you about the boundless love of God. You know, it's like, okay, I've spoon fed you for a season, but boom, how you like that for breakfast? You know, a real punch in the gut. You know, you get somewhere with your vehicles and one of them breaks down and you know you, you're in a conference and you got all expenses to pay and you don't know where the money's coming from. Bam! Take that. And I said, let's do it. We'll get it done. And that's been the way with this ministry has been run since then. Whenever we see a problem, let's do it. We'll get it done. Let's get started with it. We'll, you know, put it in the shop, put it wherever it needs to be, but we're going to do it, you know. And so that taught me faith in a different sense in, in the area of God's work. But then when my husband passed away, I had to get faith for my personal again. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, we got to work this routine, you know, because I know I know where I'm at. You know, you don't lie to yourself. Don't you know, <laughs> let's quit playing games here. At the end of the day, you got to understand there's so much coming in every month. There's so much in your bank account. There's so much that's due. 
And you can't afford to play your games with yourself or anybody else. So let's just be honest here. And I knew I didn't have what I needed faith-wise, you know, and I knew this was, this, this was going to work me. And so God then again began to teach me how to trust him from month to month and not run through your, your savings and investments in a year because you just got to have everything because, you know, just crazy stuff. I've seen people do it. I've seen widows get left a, a you know, a, a, a insurance policy. And pretty soon they got three cars in the driveway, brand new, trying to move to a new house, do all of this stuff at one time, and then it's gone very, very quickly, and they wind up with nothing. And so I had to let God teach me how to trust him to do things that needed to be done. And so once he gave me a plan and gave me understanding how I was going to do that, it got easier but still, one of, one of my shortcomings was, well, if I'm, if I'm confessing a certain amount of money, where is it going to come from? You know, it used to come from a living spouse. Now it's got to really come from heaven. You understand what I'm saying? And so it takes you on a different level of believing God. And you think, well, what do I really need? You know? It was a lot of fun when the husband was alive because you could pretend to need everything. You got me? And just see what would shake out of the pocket. This is getting good right here. This is interesting. I've never seen that before. You understand what I'm saying? But now I can't work God. You see what I'm saying? It's not as much fun. You know, got to have some respect here and understanding. It's a different time of my life that I'm going into. And so we will, I'm trying to say this, we will always have a need to know how much God loves us. If you don't, aren't willing to go into the depths of God to challenge yourself to see if that love's really there for you. Yes. You, you know, it's not your faith that's bringing everything to you. You know, because there's this thing that we get into with works. I don't care who you are, how wonderful you are, how much faith you have, how, how many tapes you listen to. You get into this thing when, when, when it's, it's all said and done. It's a worthy thing. See, that never leaves you. Because if you don't have it, the devil will bring it to you on some level. You can pretend it's not there. But it's, and so that means you've got to go more into the depths of the love of God to pull out what you need. See, it's not going to come from your faith. It's not going to come from any, but it's going to have to come out of relationship and the knowledge that he loves you more than anybody. And that means certain things in your life. That means certain things that he's going to put you through to make sure you understand that love and that you can rely on that and that alone. When it's, you know, when times get hard, it's who loves you, baby. You understand? It's just who loves you. You know, you got to know who that is. And so once the church begins to understand the depth of the love of God, we'll get off of everything else that we're trying to get to take its place. 
We got all these counterfeit loves and counterfeit relationships and counterfeit affections and counterfeit this and counterfeit that. But it, and it's what we're doing is we're covering up our lack of understanding of his love for us. Not who we are in Christ and all these things we memorize, but we are counterfeiting the knowledge of his love for us. Because we're yet a, a fragmented people with with flip-flop identity you know one day you're Jekyll the next day you're Hyde one day you're a king's kid the next day you're a pauper you know it, it just all this kind of stuff and see we when when we know the depths of it we'll be able to get in a place of God and abide and stay there and live there in such a way that will blow your mind you ever left there and when you find yourself out here being stupid again you're mad at yourself because you walked away from that and you're out there trying to prove who you are again. Submitting everything to him. Because you know he loves you and you can trust him. That's why, you, that's why you can submit everything to him. See, that's why there's nothing you want that he doesn't tell you you can have. You're not a thief anymore. You're, you're way beyond that. You're not this, this, you know, prideful king's kid thing that people talk about. But you, you have a sense that you are loved to such a degree that you don't have to take up any kind of identity other than what he gives you. If today you're just sitting there watching, you know, a few Christian programs and reading a little word and chewing gum and trying to stay away from the potato chips and all that kind, he loves you. If you're burning up the, the road going from here to there, preaching four and five times a week, he loves you. If you're, if you're a housewife and you're taking a few minutes out to pray, or you're a working woman and you're trying to get home and feed the family and then get out. He loves you. You see what I'm saying? So there's a depth of the love of God that Paul prayed that the church would get to know because he had touched into it. He had touched into it some. And it was the most glorious. And that's why he didn't care about the, the thorn and he didn't care about the trial and he didn't care about being a prisoner, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, yeah, I'll freely, I'll willingly shackle myself to Christ. I need nothing for myself because I know whose I am and who I serve. And I know that he loves me beyond anything It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter this worthy business. All, none of this stuff matters. None of it. None of it. The only thing that really matters is that you know the love of God. You know the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What do you mean surpasses? It'll blow your mind. That's what I'm saying. When you understand the love of God, it will blow your mind. Yeah. 
Now, the love of God is like this. You've been doing everything you know to do, confessing the word, standing on the word, standing off the word, standing on your head, standing on your Bible, standing off your Bible, winting, not winting, sick of winting, coming and going, doing all your, <clears throat> your holy ritual thing. And then when you feel the lowest, the stupidest, the most unholy, God will up out of nowhere give you a gift and a present that just blows your mind. You never saw it coming. You never asked for it. You never thought that God would do that in a million years. He would give you that kind of favor with somebody that you could rely on like that. You understand what I'm saying? That's the love of God. Surpasses knowledge. You wouldn't know how to order that meal if you had a good menu. You understand what I'm saying? It's just something that's served up to you. You're walking with God the best you can. You get to the point where you can do no more. Having done all, stand. Well, I'm tired of standing. I'm going to sit. I'm tired of sitting. I'm going to get up again. And he still comes through for you. So all this formula stuff and all, you know, all this knowledge, wisdom, all that, that's fine and all that. But at the end of the day, when your faith doesn't move anything and your knowledge doesn't move anything and your confession is dry and your words are hitting just the end of your lip and falling off and you know that's as far as they're going, do you know he loves you? Do you know he loves you? Do you know he loves you? He says that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness, all the fullness of God. No room for nothing else. Oh, could I ever get there? He says he's praying for you that you will. He's praying for you that you will. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. That's the love of God. It's the exceeding abundantly to blow your mind, to do something so unreal for you, either, even in a small way or a big way, to do something so unreal for you that you get an understanding. You know what? There's something about him I've just experienced that I couldn't tell you what it is, but it's scaring me to death. And it's amazing in a good way. And I can't really talk about it or speak it but I know it's there. I know he loves me. I know he's trying to get a message to me. And this is what we're here for, to receive of that message from him in our hearts, to be rooted and grounded in that message that he loves us so much, to just be immovable in understanding that. And then the rest of your life flows out of that. See, can I just come, come off my notes for a minute and tell y'all something that's really bad that, that hits people in, in the church. We have a very, very horrible identity conflict in the church. Church people don't know who they are. And they're so insecure in their identity, they're scared to read their Bibles. I know they're scared to read them because I was once scared to read it because I thought there was nothing but bad in there for me. And so they'll pick up somebody else's message, somebody's secondhand jargon. They say, you know what that's like? That's like eating somebody's vomit because that wasn't the meal for you. It came out of somebody's mouth, but it was not the meal for you. 
and you ate it anyway because you're so afraid to go and face God because you don't know he loves you for real. And you're scared to find out what it is that's keeping, you know, this distance between us, you know, this veil. This So you just rather just leave the veil there and go and eat some regurgitation. You see it in the messages they preach. You can take one message and, and record it and hear everybody that's on television preaching that same message. Nobody's on their face before God. Nobody's got anything original from God. Nobody gets anything fresh from God because they're scared of him because they don't know who they are. So they rather let the devil beat them up behind closed doors and convince them that they're the same dirty thing they were before they even knew the Lord and they go back to it. Mm -hmm. All this extortion going on among God's people. The devil's extorting them. You know, you give me, you better give me your time. You better give me your attention. You better give me this and give me that because you're not who you tell people you are. And I'm going to prove it to you. You got me? And so then people, because of, of, a, a, a shaky identity, not being solid in the love of God, not really understanding what they have and, and getting into the depths of that. It's like this. If, you, if you've already started your way through a tunnel and you're halfway through, you're going to get scared and run back the way you came or you're going to trust that at the end of this, there's got to be something I didn't see before. I know what's back there. There's brick darkness, more brick, more darkness, whatever it is that's in that tunnel. I've seen that already. Maybe I should have enough confidence to go forward, to keep going forward, to see if maybe there's something good that I'm pressing toward in there anyway. And I can have that. People are so afraid they got to form uh, uh, little denominations. They're all these little groups. You know, bishop... Everybody, let me, I'm going to lay hands on you and make you a bishop. Well, you can't because then I won't be a bishop. Well, I'll lay hands on you and make you a bishop too. And then we'll all be bishops. And then we'll all preach the same thing. And we won't let anybody come in here that doesn't preach the same thing the same way that we do. And then that'll be the only safe message that we have. And we'll have a corner on things. To where we can control everything that comes in now and we don't have to face any of this renegade stuff that comes in here that we don't know where it came from. Because if you come into an atmosphere and God sent you there and you have the pure word of the Lord, if that little click doesn't think that you're supposed to be there and you're supposed to speak that and you, where did you come from? What group are you with? Who laid hands on you? Are you under bishops? So, no, I don't get under no men. I'm single. I'm widowed. I don't get under nobody. You understand what I'm saying? I don't play that. I stay under Christ. You got me? See, what happens is because people are so insecure in the love of God. Did God call you or not? If he called you, did he send you? If you're not being sent, then stay called and stay in a holding pattern because he loves you. He's got good things for you. That love ought to sustain you through any holding pattern you have to stay in in your life. Paul went to places and he knew he would get thrown in jail the minute he hit town. A messenger from Satan to buffet him. And that messenger constantly had him in jail. 
thrown in jail. Some guys were so angry at him, they made a pact that, that they wouldn't eat until, you know, Paul died or something like that. They were under a vow. They were going to starve themselves to death to try and kill Paul. But what happened? The love of God sprang him up out of there again. The love of God kept resurrecting. He knew God loved him. The minute you forget that God loves you or you get insecure about it or you forget about it or you conveniently let the devil talk you away from that, you're dead meat. The devil might as well come in and, and start your funeral. Because the minute you lose sight of who you are, whose you are, how much he loves you, what he's given for you, the first day he met you, he gave you everything. And don't let the enemy and his crazy religious people talk you out of it. Just because they don't do things the way you do or say things the way you say. You don't measure up to them. Well, who made them the, the standard for Christian behavior? See, you will if you buy into their nonsense. If you get insecure about who you are, whether God called you or not, whether you're doing what God told you to do, whether you're doing it right, whether you're doing it wrong. You know, if you're so wrong, God will take you aside and tell you what's He's a leader. He leads and guides you. He's not sitting up watching you make mistakes and just watch you do it. He's there leading you. He's waiting for you to recognize how much he loves you so he can take you to the next great thing he has for you. The riches, the eternal riches, the unfathomable riches of this gospel he wants to reveal to his church. So we are to preach the boundless riches of Christ. We're talking about what have you told the devil lately when he comes to you know, pick at you because of what he says you're not doing. Well, Satan ain't the head of the church. Last time I checked, he ain't the head of nothing. But he's bold and he acts like he does. He's just, just enough of an imitator and a bully to try and convince you that he's got something on you. <clears throat> so this mystery is that now Christ belongs to everybody. God belongs to everybody freely. That's what the church is put here to tell, that he belongs freely to everybody. Don't let the people who criticize the church stop you from doing what God told you to do. You know, the church has always had critics. You know, we got people going apologizing for ministries God gave them. I mean, you know, we need to pray. I mean, seriously, because we got <clears throat> the devil's got people bowing to him for no reason, just out of fear. See, the minute somebody sticks a microphone in your nose, that don't make you it. You know, that don't make you a star. That don't make you all that. Because you're, you belong to God no matter what size platform you have. See, your message is just as important as the one who has a big platform. Amen. You got me? Yeah. And so God puts you where he wants you to be to affect the people he wants you to touch. There are some people that are never going to be touched by TV preachers. They just don't trust them. They, they don't. And they have no interest in what's on there as far as they run away from. The reason they're not in church is they don't want God. So why would they sit up and watch Christian television all day long? Only people watching it really mostly are believers. 
make believers. Right. <laughs> you know, people say they, they know God and they love God and they ain't thinking about it. You know what I'm saying. They, well, you know, the reason I, I heard, heard them all. Um, I just don't believe in organized religion. Well, you have a job. That's an organization. Who you work for? That's an organization. You know, it, it, it pays you some benefits. There's a, there's a benefit to being in something organized. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean, but I think what you're saying is you don't have enough confidence that God would do anything for you is why you don't go to church. And you've been making fun of church people for so long, you, now you're embarrassed to come down what you think is down on our level or humble yourself and admit you need God. Huh? So you pray for people. You pray for God to touch them and get them to understand how much he loves them. He's going to have to reveal that to him. People who are distant do not have this revelation. They don't have the revelation of the depth of the love of God. They're scared of it. Huh? Because they're so self-critical. You look at this world. Nothing's right with anybody. I mean, they get noses fixed and, and they look like they look grotesque. They look like zombies or, or mannequins or, or, you know, caricatures. They just, you know, the lips are so big they can't even close them. And they, they look crazy. But yet... They think they've made an improvement on themselves because they are so unloved on the inside. They've mutilated the outside of themselves, hoping to get some attention from somebody, which they call love. And the church is not far, far from that. We got anointed people in the church that God has used mightily, but they, they're never satisfied with the love of God that he's revealed at the level he's at, that they're at. He can only reveal so much of himself to you that you'll allow him to do. So they get hungry for something and they think it's more fame, more this. You know, I'll get an agent and and they can cause my ministry to go higher or they can cause me to get more exposure, get in front of more people. It's always the barely secure people that want all that stuff. They're barely hanging in themselves and they think that they can fool somebody by saying, if I get blow up like this, then people will know I've arrived. You've arrived nowhere because you don't know that God loves you. He loves you whether you ever preach a word or not. Did you know there are some saved people who can't talk, can't see, can't hear, can't walk, and God loves them just as much as he loves you and me? They can't do nothing outside of themselves. All they can do is hope to receive kindness from somebody, and God loves them just as much as he loves you and me. Just as much. So we don't have to blow up and get big and get this and get all we got to do is be obedient and be faithful. Whatever God's called you to do, be faithful to that. If he's called you to serve your family, be faithful. If he's called you to serve the church, be faithful. If he's called you to, to drive the pastor, be faithful. You understand? Just do what God has called you to do and understand that he loves you. When the devil starts knocking on your door, trying to knock you off of where you are, 
Remember that God loves you and you don't owe the devil an explanation for anything. You don't owe him time. You don't owe him talk. You don't owe him anything. You owe him a big rebuke. So, <clears throat> so God says that we are to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. That means love people like there's no tomorrow. If they do you wrong, forgive them. Don't retaliate. Don't even have a thought of getting even or proving your point or making them know something or know who you are. You know, don't rise yourself up. Just stay humble to God and know that the most important thing is that you stay connected to him because he's your lifeline. He's your love and he loves you and he's your lifeline. So you got to stay connected to him. <clears throat> We're to make plain the administration of the mystery of Christ. You know what that is? Believers, the believers ministry. That's the administration of the gospel. That God would put that knowledge in the mouth, in the, the hearts of all believers and sons and daughters will prophesy. That's what you've got to know. That his love is so great that he's put his word in your mouth and he's entrusted to, into you the fate of humanity. See, this is what the devil doesn't want you to know. He don't want you walking in that truth. He don't want you understanding that the eternity, the fate of humanity rests in your hands. Whether you pray or not, somebody is going to get the benefit of that prayer or be at loss by the withholding of that prayer. Period. See, but when you know God loves you and you know the love of God, then you know how to walk in that and how to handle it and how to not let it change you. See, the knowledge is an inner working. It doesn't change who you appear to be. It doesn't change who you think you are. It doesn't change who you perceive yourself to be. You still perceive yourself as a servant. You still perceive yourself as, as that person that was so eager for God to give him anything to do years ago. Remember that? You just wanted to do anything for God and you were so nervous you would goof it up and, and all of that. And then you came to know that he would help you when you did things and he was there with you and he was encouraging you and coaching you. See, you want to stay that person. You don't want to get to be somebody else. You don't want to get to be somebody who's got to prove everything to everybody or got to keep up some kind of appearance for people. You can't let people live in delusions about you. You've got to let people know that you're real and that you are resting in God's love. You're not trying to be anybody important. You're not trying to be anybody great. But you're here to serve God with all of your heart because he's given you everything. He's given you his total being. So why should you withhold anything from him? But withholders always are afraid there won't be enough for them. Hmm? You know. Oh, God, you want me to do that? You mean I got to give that up? Oh, Lord. Something else? What do you mean? Hey, what am I going to have left for myself? Hmm? Or if I do that, what's it going to get for me? Huh? We want to know the payoff before we even, I mean, talk about faithlessness. <laughs> we want to know what we're going to get for it before we even step out in it. See, that's not knowing he loves you. It is, it's a problem there 
that you think that he's so small that he would take from you when he just gave you. You just saw a miracle. You just saw him come through for you. You just saw him do this. You just saw him. And now when it's your turn at bat to give 100% like he has and you, you hold back. Hmm? Sick. But he loves you. He still loves you. <clears throat> and he'll work with us. See, we're all he's got and he's satisfied with us. See, he's not disappointed. He's not disillusioned. He's satisfied with us. We're all he's got, and he doesn't need anybody else. He's content, and he's happy, and he can work with us. He has total confidence in his church and in his body. So we're to preach the boundless riches of Christ, make plain the administration of the mystery, that God is not leaving anybody out. There are no important people. And they're no not important people. We're just people who love God. And we know that he loves us. And that's it. That's the bottom line. Huh? He knows us and he, and that love provides a help for us when we need it. <clears throat> we have freedom and confidence when we approach God through Christ. You can talk to God and ask him anything. Now, he might not answer you right away or he might, you know what I'm saying? He, sometimes he just lets you talk. But he loves you. The fact that he doesn't answer right away or he doesn't tell you. Sometimes God just wants to, to spend that time with you and he's already got the answer. And it's on, the, it's on a schedule. Hmm? It's on a schedule in your life. Things come at certain times when they're appropriate to tell us these things. It's just like your children. You don't, you don't try to teach your children how to, uh, to change an electric socket when they're five years old. You know, they can't handle that understanding. It's the same thing with God's people. But he still loves you. Now, don't get it wrong. Just because he don't tell you everything, that has nothing to do with whether or not he loves you. How he uses you has nothing to do with whether or not he loves you. Sometimes we feel wonderful because we get to do this for God and, oh, it just felt so great when I was doing this. And then you go back to being normal and natural. And <laughs> Does he love me? You have an identity crisis. Huh? Because we just, we're like that. We just, I can't believe I was there and I was doing this and I was doing it. No, I'm back here in my room again. Looking at the four walls, wondering the same. My wonders that I was wondering when I left is right back here facing me, wondering them again. Huh? But he still loves us. Huh? We act crazy sometimes, but he still loves us. So in order to fix that, we have to go deeper into the depths of his love. I mean, we got to abandon ourselves. We got to just step out there and trust. Let's step out there in faith and confidence. Now we'll pray a bold prayer. God, I would like to have my own business. And then God gives you an opportunity to blow up. You've been wanting to blow up anyway, so he blows you up. And you spend most of the time in your bathroom. Because you're scared of blowing up. Huh? 
And this is something you ask God for. But see, if you're not rooted and grounded in this is not going to kill me, and this is not going to hurt me, and this is not going to cause me to fail, if I step out in faith, I'm not going to be a failure. I'll be in the will of God. Now, I not, may not make it over to where I think I'm going to make it over in one big leap, but I will be in the will of God and he loves me. Amen. See, if that's not enough, then we can cancel this whole show. You understand what I'm saying? It's, you know, uh, curtains down, <laughs> you know. But, but we've got to be rooted and grounded at the end of every thought. He loves you. At the end of everything that you know, that's right and that's wrong and that's good and that's bad, he still loves you. That's got to be settling in on you as the overriding thing that keeps you together. Love will keep us together. <laughs> I remember that song. <laughs> huh? Absolutely. It'll keep you together with God. It'll keep you in, in one mind with him. He's sending us love thoughts all the time. And we're trying to pick up thoughts that, from somewhere else. You know, you just tuned into the wrong frequency. Huh? That's one of my favorite prophecies. WGOD is on tonight. You got me? He, 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 just, he just plugged into where you are. You thought you came here for one thing, but he switched the channel on you. You plugged in there now. And so this is, this is what we need to look at as our, that's the overriding thing that God loves you and that's never going to change. I don't care what he tells you to do that you're scared of doing. I don't care what you say you want out of life and you don't think you can accomplish it. He still loves you. So you might as well step out and give it a shot. Amen. He's with you. Amen. See? See, if you'll step out and give it a shot, you'll find that he does love you because he's out there with you. He didn't set you up to fail. Amen. He set you up to succeed. <clears throat> We have to know Christ's love to make it through this, through this life. Or we will feel used and shortchanged, manipulated, cheated, and lied to. Because there will be things that you'll believe God for that may not work the way you thought they were going to work. You got me? It just may not work the way you thought they were going to work. So at the end of the day, you've got to tell God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you put your love inside of me <clears throat> and I understand your love. Let me understand it even more. Let me go deeper into it, God, because there's something here that's still holding me back. There's something here that I'm still struggling with, that I'm still fighting. It's like the cocoon, the butterfly coming out. You got me? There are struggles to get free to experience God that we, we go through as believers. <clears throat> this scripture talks about the manifold wisdom of God. We're to make known to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold means many-faceted. There are many, many twists and turns to the love of God, many faces to the love of God. It's many-sided, and it's complicated, Denise. 
God's love is complicated. It's not just a straight through shot that you can say, I know God loves me because of this, this, and this. You'll say, I believe he loves me. I've experienced some things in him, but for the life of me, I don't understand it. It's complicated, Denise. You got me? These are unfathomable riches. There's no, there's no end to the depth of them. You want riches. Listen, I've seen people throw away their lives. Ministers throw away their lives for material things that don't amount to anything because they don't know the unfathomable riches of Christ. They'll walk away from true riches and try to get something that's way beyond, way beyond in a material sense, anything they ever thought they could have and still wind up losers. Why? Because they, they haven't tapped into the real wealth. They go from one identity crisis to another, one group to another, trying to find out who they are. Trying to match some, trying to find a group they identify with. Just going from place to place to place to place to place. Looking for somebody to tell them they're okay. Somebody to tell them they're loved. Somebody to tell them we accept you. And they, they have a lust for this. They kind of collect groups of people to be around. You know, because this, they went to this group and they felt okay there, but it, that wasn't it. Huh? It's like Goldilocks. Well, it's too hard. Well, it's too soft. Yeah, it's never just right. Why? Because they're not seeking God. They're not seeking the one who created them and can tell them and reassure them of who they are. Give them that right identity. Let them feel secure in themselves because they know who they are you see you know you can you can do a lot of things and be a lot of places but you've got to be you when you get there huh and you got to know who you is and you got to know who sent you and you got to know he loves you because see you get out in some of these places and hell will start hitting you so hard you'll wonder if you if you really should have done this or not what did, did God really tell me have God really said hmm? but see if you don't understand the unfathomable riches not material thing you know his kingdom is not of this world huh See, when you understand that fully, the less this world, the world's possessions will be less dear to you. In relationship with him will be everything. See, did I get up this morning and tell him that I loved him? You know, the thing that makes me feel the worst is when I say I'm going to, I do something with God and it really produces some good fruit in, inside of me. And I say, man, I should do this again. I should do this. You, you have that thought, I can, I can live like this every day. Yeah. And then a, a week and a year will go by and you didn't do it again. And you think, man, how could I cheat myself out of what was feeding me and nourishing me and go off on my brain looking for stuff, the everyday stuff, more of everyday stuff. We got to know riches from riches, folks. You got to be able to discern true riches. Jesus talked about this. You need to tell the devil you're after true riches. Devil, I know who I am. Huh? 
I really know who I am. How do I know? I spent time in his presence. I was in the word. And I was in his presence. And I know he loves me. And that's important to me. See, that's got to be important to us, church. Knowing the love of God has got to be important to us. Just that revelation that he has given access freely to all men who would come by way of the cross. Just knowing that, that his great love encompasses all of humanity if they'll receive it and if the church will preach it and preach it right. I mean, preach the real gospel. Not this, uh, just come as you are and stay that way. No, they came in because they didn't like the way they were. But you missed an opportunity to help them if you told them they could stay that way. So the manifold wisdom of God is multifaceted. It's infinite in its variety. It's like a diamond. And there are many complicated ideas to unravel in the mysteries of Christ. And we're to make these things known to principalities and powers. How do we make them known? Just by prophesying, by declaring what you know, declaring who you are. If you got up every morning and said, God, thank you for loving me. That would mess the devil's head up so bad. Most of what he's planned for you for that day would be totally canceled and messed up. If you let that fly out of your mouth on a regular. Jesus, I thank you for your love, your great love toward me. It's made me know that you understand me, that you created me. I'm not a mistake. I'm not something that came into this earth with no purpose. You saw fit to have me come here for your purpose, for your eternal purpose. You saw me before I was even formed. And you loved me and you called me to something glorious, something wonderful, something heavy and weighty in the earth, something important in the earth. We're important people, folks. You're important. You're important to God and you're important to humanity. So through the preaching of the gospel, we make known the unfathomable riches of Christ you know when you tell somebody their sins are forgiven, you've opened the door to unfathomable riches to them? The only thing that's standing between them and what they want is their sin. That's why people are going through so great lengths now for us to let the homosexual off the hook. You see the laws that are being passed at a rapid rate? You see the things that are being put through in a worldwide attitudes changing toward righteousness. Now righteousness is hate speech. And we've got to let people do whatever they want to do or we get accused. Well, you just have to accuse me. You have to arrest me too. Because I will not shut up. And if I can't talk, I will write. I will send Facebook whatevers and... Like me or don't like me on Facebook, I'll tell the truth. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to be liked because I'm loved. He loves me. 
And that's bigger than your like or your dislike. People get hemmed in by other people's attitudes toward them. The devil makes you react. Huh? I understand people come to church looking for love. You need to come looking for God. Huh? Come in with your heart up here. Don't bump into it. Oh, no, you, you heard it. I needed you to affirm me today. You didn't offer to hug me. And I'm a hugger. And then what that jerk over there in San Diego, wherever he is, said, I'm a hugger. Yeah, he's an unemployed hugger. Huh? Listen, if I, if I forget to speak to you or I forget I didn't run into you before, I still love you, okay? God compels me to love you. And I won't get offended if you don't say hi to me. Trust me. Because I'm loved. Who I am doesn't change by what you tell me you think about me. You know, the devil gets in everybody. You can think what you want to think about me. Huh? But I'm telling you, if it don't line up with the word of God, it's a lie. Huh? And I can tell you that because I am loved and I know I'm loved. God loves me. He loves you too. The riches of Christ allow us free access. He gave us everything. Free access to his throne room. The source of all power, all authority, all riches, all health, all uh, deliverance, freedom. It's a source of everything. And we have free access there. We can go shopping. And get whatever we want. They're gifts of God that he wants to give to his people. But oh no, we can't go in. Huh? Number one, most of us are confused about what gives us access. Mm -hmm. One day it's faith. One day it's grace. One day it's the blood. One day it's our confession. One day it's still confused. Hmm? <laughs> doesn't matter what gives you access you need to know you're loved Amen. I don't care what you put out there that's so important if you don't know you're loved listen if I have if, if, if I want to see you and you say come over anytime if I hesitate and say well should I go over say already I missed a hole you understand what I'm saying and see this is what we do it's people. Huh? People can give us open invitation. We still, well, maybe, maybe I should. <laughs> you know it's true. And we do the same thing with God. Free access through his throne of grace. The question is, do you have peace with that? Do you have peace with that? And do you have peace with with all humanity. Huh? You don't have to hug me. 
and really speak to me and make over me. But as long as we have peace with each other. See, I don't feel no bad vibe from you and you don't feel no bad vibe from me. We should be okay. Huh? But you know, the body of Christ, we go through all kind of little crazy notions to make sure we're, we're being acceptable to one another. <clears throat> you know? Greet the brethren with a holy kiss. Now don't lay me back and hit me in the mouth with none. I will slap you all over this room. You got me? That ain't holy. Huh? <laughs> so we don't really know what to do with each other, do we? Hug, not hug, kiss, not kiss, whatever, whatever, whatever. Huh? <laughs> but he still loves us. We don't have half of it figured out. We doing it anyway and ain't got it figured out, but he still loves us. That's the one thing that anchors and ties us all together. He still loves us. You don't have to do everything right. You don't have to be hugged by everybody. You don't have to be loved and accepted by everybody. You don't have to get a smile from everybody. He loves you anyway. Once we start letting the love flow out and quit worrying about who, who feels this way about whom, once we get over that and go into his great love, I think we'll be okay. I'm not sure, but I think we'll be okay. Uh, some of us are tense, you know, scared of being found out or corrected or, you know. Oh, now he loves you anyway, <laughs> you know, if you know God loves you, you can be corrected Amen. and you can greet it with, with joy and, and, and wanting, you know, help and all that kind of stuff. You can quit pretending. Amen. Jeez, that's gotta be tiresome. <laughs> I mean, even people in Hollywood have a day off from acting. <laughs> inside the actor's studio uh, I mean they do have a day off so we don't need to measure up to anything we don't need to because we have free access free access means measure up is not an issue if you know how to get in then you know how to get in you got me you don't get in through your formula, my formula, anybody on TV's formula. You got to know for yourself how to get in. How do you know if you get in to the heart of God? You can know it by a lot of ways. You can know it by the contentment that you have. Oh, I'm all worked up about something. I must need to get with God. Get some, let this go. You know, pick up him a little bit more, you know. Or you can know it by the blessing that comes. The unscheduled, un unasked for, out of nowhere blessing. And be quick to receive it. Huh? Now why do I say be quick to receive it? Because that's love. See, that's knowing you're loved. Marilyn Hickey said one time that she, <clears throat> she had asked God for a fur coat. This is many years ago before the PETA people and all this kind of stuff. But she had asked God for a fur coat. And she said that she had 
totally forgotten about it. You know, it was just a request that she has. It wasn't a uh, big deal. It wasn't something she was praying about, confessing about, and all the stuff, you know, the ritual stuff we think that impresses God. No faith in it. It's just some works to do. You know, your confession to get to be a work if you don't really. You know what I'm saying? See, your confession can be a ministry to yourself or to others, or it can just be ritual where you think you're saying enough to get God's attention and he'll do something for you, maybe. Confession is always a big maybe. But she said that, she said she was in a, a women's meeting one time and she was talking to a group of ladies and, and in the background she kept hearing this lady say, uh, she said, you know, God's told me that somebody here has been praying for a fur coat and, and I just wanted to, and it's this, and they call Marilyn size, she's like a zero or two or five or something like that. And so she said, uh, it just enough, she heard enough to hear the size. She said, that's my fur coat, where are you? <laughs> huh? It's the unscheduled, unexplained. See, this is how this lady keeps going, and Marilyn's up there. I mean, she's like in she's close to 80, and she still preaches all around the world. She couldn't do that just trying to be somebody and have something big. You got me? You don't do that for that many years in that many foreign places having to adapt to that many different cultures and not know God loves you is why you're there. You got me? The love is the payoff. It's the motivation. It's the payoff. It's everything. So you got to know that he loves you or you won't keep doing, you won't keep going, you won't keep. You do it for a minute. And then as soon as it don't add up to you and your little lame brain, you're ready to quit. You got me? It's true. Because you'll think to yourself, hmm, I've been doing this for some this so-and-so and so-and-so. Hmm? Like the guy that hid the talents. Well, you hide yourself from him. You hide your value from him. You hide your worth from him. And most people will give it to the devil or some of his people. You know, you feel good because somebody pumps up your flesh and you give your riches to them instead of giving your riches to God. Because you don't trust him. The guy who hit his talent said, I I know you're a hard taskmaster. You take from people. Didn't that what he said? He said, you sow where you didn't, you reap where you didn't sow. So if you see God as a taker, and he's mean, and you got, you'll never please him in a million years, so why try? Huh? We have some days like that, folks. We ain't speaking. Hmm? Kind of stuck somewhere. Need a toe. Hmm? Now what we really, we need to be jacked up. You know what I'm saying? Some of us just really need to be jacked up and straightened up and told what's what, you know, and get it together and understand that God doesn't do this for people he don't love. What he's brought you through this far, he he doesn't do that for people. Listen, you started out with God. You were a a part-time drug addict and full-time hoe. You got me? Huh? You had kids out of wedlock just like your friends did. They in prison now and yours has got their own business and yours is doing Because Why? Because he loves you. 
not because you brought them to church, not because you did it, because he loves you. That's why they're there. They're still here. They still have a chance. And they even are beginning to know they're loved. Because that love will go from one generation to the next. People get into these little fits, start withholding from God. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to go to church on time. Other people don't come on time. I'm not going on time. People in Cleveland, y'all bad at that. You know, that's, that's just wrong. And see, you've walked a long way with God, and he's helped you out in a lot of things, and you're stuck somewhere now. And you don't want to fess up, man up, and woman up and say, I've lost interest in God. I've lost confidence in myself. I don't know if he's going to bless me or not. I don't know if he loves you. You need to be honest. Receive it if you want to. You don't have to. You are wounded warriors. Because you think God owes you something because your mind is clocked into works. You're looking at how long you've been saved. To say nothing about half the time you've been skating, ain't been praying, ain't been reading the word, ain't been doing nothing. You've just been coming and coming late and coming when you feel like it. Huh? Some of y'all, I'm shocked you're here on a Saturday. You find some little trip to take when you feel like it. Why? You don't know he loves you. You have no clue of the love of God that he is pushing towards you every day, every hour, every minute. You just need to grab hold of it and say, listen, I'm tired of playing this game with myself. Every time you look up, somebody got another gimmick to try and make themselves look important. I'm sitting there looking. I said, man, what's coming next? Huh? All of this pretend stuff. When if the love of God would really hit you, your family would straighten up. They'd respect you. They'd respect God. They'd start coming to church themselves. They'd start doing more for God. If you knew, if you knew it, you'd have more to give to them. You wouldn't be trying to manipulate them and con them into thinking you love them. They'd know you love them. Because you know your love from God and you're just passing his love on to them. Cut this foolishness out. Time you look up, somebody got some new gimmick for trying to be important. Hmm? You're on Facebook more, more than you're in church. You stay on Facebook, you get to church off on time. Trying to get people to put you likes. You know, that's just a foolishness. I was sitting up there one time. I got mad at somebody. I said, they said that. They got 20 likes and I can't get four. That's when I knew I was messed up. I said, Lord, let me, let me just stop. <laughs> this ain't my game. You know what I'm saying? Because really, I push like and what I want to say is, why don't you go get a job? Why don't you go get a life? Why don't you stay off of here every 10 minutes putting crap on here that don't make sense? <laughs> you know, you just want to start deleting. If you had the power to delete certain people, you get them all off there. They ain't talking about nothing half the time. 
It's nice to have something edifying to say to the body of Christ. But God's not giving you a prophecy every hour. Man, you got that kind of time. Good gravy. It's like a hen sitting on an egg or something. You're just waiting for it to hatch. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to put another whip to do another tape. How much time do I have if you do one more? Okay, all right. So praise the Lord. So when you know you have free access, you know you're loved, you don't need to measure up. Isn't that wonderful? You can quit wondering what you did wrong. You can quit wondering when it's going to happen. You can quit wondering if so-and-so cares about you, loves you, what they're going to say to you, so forth and so on. You can quit the wondering. So if I don't wonder and I don't worry, (laughs) gee, what do I do? (laughs) Well, how about you take, take advantage of your free access to the throne And spend time with the one who loves you. Huh? Let's spend time with him. You don't have to say anything. He doesn't have to say anything. Just know his presence is there for you. Just experience. Experience. Experience God. When we mix faith and refuse to lose heart, then our righteousness speaks for us. So you mix faith with the love of God. Faith works by love. Love puts faith to work. You believe God for certain things, but there must be an object to your affection before it'll work. So you got to pray for something. You got to pray for someone. You got to pray about somebody. You got to want to alleviate human suffering. So that's what you tell the devil. Devil today... My job is to make known to you that I'm going to share the love of Christ with anybody that gets in my path today and everybody that gets in my path today. They will know that God loves me and that I have enough love to shed out on them. That's what they're going to know today. When we include everybody in the call to God's kingdom, demons tremble. The minute you don't exclude anybody, the devil's upset. Because his kingdom works on high me, little you, big you, little I. Who's great, who's wonderful, who's hot, who's not. So the devil trembles because religion never does this. Religion never offers free access to everybody. Religion always has to leave somebody out. Because that's how the devil keeps people's minds messed up. So people who don't know they're loved of God never know if they're out or if they're in. Am I out or am I in? (laughs) Yesterday I was in. I had to check my Facebook likes to see if I'm in or out. (laughs) Satan created religion to keep man away from God while occupying his time with ritual and man-made pursuits that are man's idea of pleasing God. So religion just keeps you busy doing stuff that God never told you to do. And I mean, God can be in the midst, but you're not doing what he told you to do. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. That doesn't mean I orchestrated everything. 
that doesn't mean I'm sanctioning everything. And that doesn't mean I approve of everything. And that doesn't mean I'll give you the results that I approve of everything. So that's religion. When we tell Satan that we will love and not hate, that making God's great love available to all mankind, he trembles. This is one facet of God's wisdom. That's just one. There are many facets to God's wisdom. And the Bible says we are to make known to principalities and powers as many of them as God will give to us. So whenever God gives you a revelation and you walk in it, the devils have to stand back and wonder, well, what got... I thought I had them convinced that they were no good, rotten to the core, couldn't, you know, didn't know God's timing, missed his timing all the time, missed everything. I thought I had them convinced that they couldn't say anything on God's behalf. And here they are that stepped up and said something now. Huh? Just your words spoken out of the wisdom that God has given you makes demons tremble. They have to stand back at attention. Wow. They have to stand back at attention. God makes friends of enemies. Anytime you forgive somebody, hell gets upset. Huh? That's why you feel bad when you don't you don't forgive people. Because the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to release that so that hell can get off of you. But once hell sees you obeying God, then all the devils are on alert. Hmm? Here's somebody stepping out of the cocoon. Somebody's getting out of the mold. Somebody's trying to break rank. Somebody's trying to get out of the box. God makes of two people one nation. He did it between Jews and Gentiles. He does it now. We are one nation of people. The Christians are one body of people. We're probably the biggest group of people in the world. But the devil keeps us fragmented through insecurity and perpetrating lies about us. What are some of the lies? Oh, people in the world are nicer than Christians. I've heard Christians say that. I said, well, what are you? You count yourself? Who do you count yourself as? One of them, one of us, what do you? <laughs> See, that's a, that's a messed up identity. Somebody don't know who they are. They've never committed to one, one side or the other. You know, if, if you love the world so much, go over there and play with them. Uh, get out of my pocket and get out of my prayers. You understand what I'm saying? You like them so much, go over there and dwell with them. Here's a woman that gave her testimony years, many years ago. She uh, had come down with lupus and she was humbling herself to God and to his ministers. And she had been to several places to get ministry and was doing better. But she started out as a singer in the church. And she said, I to really, I had a beautiful voice. I never really had to do much, but <clears throat> I was just blessed by God with a beautiful voice. And, you know, she said, people in the church always encouraged me to sing. She said, but through some difficulty, she kind of got on the outs with the church. And she wound up marrying a man who was not saved. And she said, in one week, he had beaten her almost to a pulp. Started day of getting married. 
started beating her, beat her every single day. And then she said he drove her to the church and pushed her out in front of the church. And he told her, he said, let your church friends see what you look like now. Now, see, there are some people who think it's not a big idea. I mean, a big deal. Who you marry, how you marry. But I'm telling you, there are some people that hell has an end for like that. I know somebody else made the same mistake, married somebody. They cheated on her from day one, was never faithful, never intended to be faithful. But they went off into the world. Oh, people in the world are nicer than people in the church. So she turned her back on the people that God put her with, that she was a part of. See, rejection, self-rejection and not knowing who you are will get you some of the biggest trouble because you'll start identifying with the wrong thing. And she started identifying with people in the world. And this man cheated on her. She tried to be a good wife. She tried to do everything for many years. But at the end of many years, there was no change. And she got weary and got tired and left the marriage. Now there's the stigma of being divorced. And now you're trying to get back in with church people. And you understand what I'm saying? Never knowing who you really are. And for some people, this never changes. And I asked her one time, I said, did you ever really understand that God really loved you? And that he loved you enough to find a decent Christian man for you to marry? Did you ever understand that? And never give a response. You know why? Because yet people don't understand where they made their mistake. They know there was a mistake somewhere, but they're afraid to find out where they crossed over and where they made the mistake. That's true for a lot of people that we call restored in the body of Christ. They don't know where they messed up. They don't know how they crossed over. All they know is one day they woke up on the other side of the line. So now they're hoping that they'll stay over on this side. Some of them really struggle too. They can't, they're tempted all the time, tormented by the devil all the time. All they can do is try and keep busy with God, with the word, with stuff so they don't think about it too much. See, no freedom there. They yet don't know he loves them. You can work for somebody and claim you love God and not know he loves you. I'm telling you, the most important knowledge in your life is to know he loves you. That'll take you so much farther than a plane ticket or a a worldwide ministry or well-known this or well-known that. It'll take you very far places that you know you love him. He loves you. And the other thing it'll do, it will empower you to manifest that love to people who really need it. See, that's the most important message for the church is to give something to people who don't deserve it. When you do that, the devil hates you for that. See, you make known the the riches of Christ to be shared abroad to everybody. The people that don't need to be touched, the people don't want to be touched, the people that hate Christians, all these people. When you make known the manifold wisdom of God to those principalities and powers, then I'm going to tell them about Jesus anyway. See, I'm not going to be afraid to witness to the gay person. I tell them God loves you. I said, listen, honey, you might hate me, but Jesus really loves you. He really does. He really does. And that's something that cannot be denied. He loves you. He loves you. When we declare God's word, we should do it from a position of absolute authority. 
with no doubt of its effectiveness and its validity. When you declare the word of God, you have to have it in your heart backed up with the fact that it'll come to pass. It's absolute. It's the authority. It's not a, a miss, hit or a miss. It's not a wish and a wash. It's real and it's powerful. Our words are very positional in their effectiveness and validity. In other words, you've got to see yourself in the throne room with God. You've got to see yourself seated in Christ in heavenly places able and capable of exercising and wielding this type of power and authority against any demon that would come against you. You've got to see yourself that way. You can't see yourself as maybe it's true and should I say this or should I say that? You've got to come out with the roar. You got me? And you've got to know that when you say these things, hell must freeze. You got me? They freeze and they tremble. Huh? Because they're scared of that lion. <clears throat> Our words are very positional, we said. A king operates from his office, not just his feelings. So when you're a royal priesthood, you operate from your office, not your feelings. You can't like not feel like talking to the devil today. When a king does, the authority and the integrity of the officer upheld. See, it's the office that's upheld. It's not how you feel or whether you got enough faith or maybe you said you talked to the wrong devil. Talk to any of them. They, they know how to pass the word among themselves. Devils talk faster than any group of... Man, it gets like people used to say bad news travels fast. When the devil gets something on the pipeline, I mean, it really goes. So you don't have no problem understanding who to talk to. Just speak it out. Huh? Just prophesy. Hmm? And so you have to, to make it known to them. You have to make known to them that, that you have access to this throne room. Yeah, devil, I belong here. Look where I'm seated. In heavenly places with Christ. I'm not here by myself. I didn't get here because of my works. I didn't get here because I earned my place here. I just found myself here because I know he loves me. And I know I have free access because that love has been shed abroad because he died for my sins. Huh? I'm going to let my righteousness talk for me right now. I don't even have to talk for myself. I let my righteousness speak. Devil, you are bound today out of the life of me and everybody else I know in the name of Jesus. I'm praying these prayers and I'm declaring that this soul is healed. This soul is saved. This soul is set free. This soul will know the love of God this day because God will send somebody to speak to him and let him know the love of God. You don't have to back up. Quit complaining. Quit thinking you lack something. The Bible says we're complete in him. If we learn how to step out, we find all kinds of great things out there. You just have to step out. You have to understand free access. You have free access to the throne of God. When a king makes a decree, it must be carried out. So when you speak on behalf of the Lord, when you speak about unction of the spirit, that decree is carried out. Whether you feel it, whether you think highly of yourself, think lowly of yourself, think you're grand, think you're not grand, it must be carried out. There's not a king that you see in the Bible that gave a decree 
that when he spoke it, it didn't come to pass. Look at Daniel in the lion's den. Huh? The king was sorry right after he saw what it did for Daniel. He was sorry. He said it, but he said, I've spoken it and it must be. And it caused him to stay up praying all night. Huh? Lord, I've spoke these words and I know your servant is a righteous man. And the king was one of the first ones to go there in that morning when the, the stone was rolled away from the cave to go and he stuck his hand and he says, Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the most high God, has your God whom you serve continuously kept you this night? See, you get people to speak your deliverance that once wanted you dead. Huh? <laughs> It's the truth. You just understand free access. Understand he loves you. Understand you don't have to debate with people. You don't have to struggle with people. You don't have to fight with anybody. You just just let God love you and you love him. You know, there is, when we first came to Detroit, it was like every devil that, I mean devils and minor devils and lesser devils and And there was a whole ministry that prayed against my ministry. I said, now why in the world would people waste their time in such a fruitless exercise? You know, like, God's really going to answer that? If your kids wanted to kill each other, those of you who have two children, which one are you going to give the knife to, to stab the other one? You think God gets involved in that kind of nonsense? That's nothing but witchcraft. Huh? You know, that ministry's had so much trouble. Just nothing but trouble from beginning one day to the next. I mean, they're, they're still there, and they're still attracting people there, but it's nothing like what they thought it was ever going to be. You see, there's, there's something about the love of God when you know God loves you, you know, and I never blinked an eye. I thought somebody told me that, and they said, well, you know, uh, we were told by our pastor that your ministry wasn't legitimate, and, and you know, we used, to, we used to ask God to close doors and all this kind of stuff. I said, really? All that just for me? You understand what I'm saying? So now this is the thing. You must understand that there's a religious devil working somewhere that wants to still control this area. They don't send out the small, the small man for the person that can make a difference so you hit that thing you wake it up and then it starts getting busy trying to destroy you and you're not even aware that it's happening that's the love of God see he's your shield he there are things God does for us when we don't even know they're going on you understand what I'm saying that was just a little trickle I found out he'll let you know enough to let you know this stuff you're working in is real but he's not going to bother you. You don't stay up all night because somebody doesn't want you to be successful. Let them stay up all night. If that's the kind of stuff they want to do, let them get the insomnia. I'm going to bed. Huh? So when a king makes a decree, it's got to be carried out. Even though he may wish he hadn't made the decree. You got me? 
There may be sometimes you'll say words that when you listen to them, you'll say them in faith and then your ears hear them a couple of seconds later and they scare you. You got me? And so you've got to know that those things will be carried out if it's done by the unction of God's spirit. And it's, and it's still the same. There are some situations that I, I try to feel in God until I know exactly what God's saying about it. So I may not say anything about something for a long time. I, I know what's going on. You know, people, you don't live in God and not know. It's just that I don't feel the same when I'm not upset about anything. My upset days have been over for a lot of years. Praise God. You got me? Because I learned how to work in the timing with God and by the unction of the Spirit. There are some things that need to be taken care of. God pretty much takes care of them. You know, we're all people who can hear from God and speak to people and let them know and, and convict them that change needs to be made or convict me that a change needs to be made. We don't have to war against each other. But we need to come together as a body to collectively agree that we are going to endeavor to understand and to know and to comprehend the love of God. Because that's the only thing at the end of the day that's going to save you and that's going to save me. Love of God will keep us from backbiting, from infighting, from taking so serious everybody's little small faults that have already been dealt with at the cross. You got me? We fight over minor things that are non-issues to God. And when the body of Christ and the church can get to the point where loving God back is all that matters to us, when we respond to his great love, and we understand that we are loved greatly by God, then we don't have to come in wanting to affect people and wanting to get a response from people and living for the response of men. We can know who we are. We can be content where we are. If God wants to use us to speak, fine. If he doesn't want to use us to speak, that's fine too. You know, you don't have to be the person that gets up and says everything all the time. Sometimes God wants you to be silent and rest and, and understand that he can do many things outside of you that are great things. And so once we understand that, we'll have something that we can tell the devil when he gives us these thoughts and he attacks us in our character and he attacks us with our past and he attacks us with our shortcomings. You know, we can let him know, you know something, devil? You may be right about a lot of them things you pointed out about me, but I know one thing, God loves me. And I can respond to that love in a way that you never will be able to. You got me? You'll never be able to preach the gospel, devil. You'll never be able to win souls under the love of God. You'll never be able to get gifts from God and get blessings from God. Your fate's already sealed. But I know one thing, that I'm going to go on in God and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I don't care what happens. I don't care if it blows up, shuts down, whatever happens to it. I know he loves me. And that's the most important knowing that we can know. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for <clears throat> giving us an understanding that we're not wounded warriors. We're not wounded by any means, Father. We are a healed body. We're a whole body. We're a loved body. We are so nurtured and so cared for, God, that we, we should be embarrassed to want anything else, to feel lack in anything, to feel uncomfortable about anything, to feel a stranger to anyone and estranged by anybody. 
we can step into that love and do what you want us to do, Father, at all times. And we thank you for that. Father, we bless you that everybody will know in a deeper way your love. That we'll be beginning to respond to that love by stepping out in the dignity of the place where you've called us, Lord. That we'll be warriors that are carriers, gracious carriers of your manifold wisdom and your great love. We have such a love for you that we can't wait to get to worship. We can't wait to get to service. We have such a love for you. And we don't care if we're the only one there standing there with holy hands lifted up to you. We'll do it, Father. We don't care if we're the only ones who are willing to speak up for you in the workplace, Lord. We'll do it, Father. We don't care if we're the only ones who are able to speak encouragement in a discouraging situation. We'll do it, Father. We don't care if we're the only ones who will tell our children that they can't wear Halloween costumes, Lord. If you tell us to do it, we'll do it, Lord. We thank you for that. We bless you. And we praise you, Lord. We thank you for the great stand that you've given us to make in this earth. That we're appreciated by you. We're loved by you. We're cared for by you. And we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful mission that we have of sharing your love with all creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Why don't you put on some music? Praise God. We're going to worship God for a bit and see if there's something he wants to have ministered. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Surrender all to you. 